the D-backs were not able to pull off the 3-1 2016 Cavs comeback. And the Texas Rangers, unfortunately, win the World Series. Congrats, Texas. You are locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. Please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com to see all my latest work. I've been hosting this podcast since 2020, and now the D-back season is finally over, and we're going to talk about that all on today's podcast. Thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. Now for today's podcast, I thought I was going to start this podcast off with misery, talking about what went wrong in this series and break down the game, uh, break down the finale and break down the series to start off the podcast. But instead, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I want the misery to be in the middle. I'm trying to make this as much of an optimistic sandwich as I can. I'm going to start by reflecting on the D-back season, then talk about what went wrong in the series, and then talk about positive lessons learned from this World Series for this D-backs team. So I'm going to try to keep the misery sandwiched in between two positive topics because I'm not going to lie to you guys. After I went to the Game 5, I went to Game 5 at Chase Field. I watched the whole thing. Uh, Super demoralizing to be in the building and see the D-backs squander opportunity after opportunity. But like I said, we'll talk about that later in the podcast because I want to start off the podcast I'm going to try to get a little positive for you guys, and I want to talk and just reflect on this D-back season because despite how I feel right now, I'm going to look back on this season with fondness. There were a lot of up and downs throughout, but this was the most fun I've ever had covering this D-backs team. I was here in 2020. During the pandemic shortened season, I was here for that miserable 2020 season where the D-backs thought they were going to be feisty and potentially make the postseason. You had Mad Bum in the building. Ketel Marte was coming off a fantastic season. It felt like the upward trajectory, the arrow was pointing upwards for the D-backs, and they were not very good in 2020. Of course, weird year, and you say, you know what, let's just throw it out. Let's just, you know, just disregard that year. Just make a little footnote weirder season in baseball history we just won't even talk about it then 2021 comes around and you're like you know what let's not talk about that season either because that season was also rough for the d-backs where they won like what 52 games that season absolutely atrocious they were just disgusting and if you remember in the final game of the season they hit a walk-off home run that lost them the number one pick D-backs were terrible in 2021, and then last season, the D-backs were kind of feisty, mid-70 win team, but they were still a non-playoff team, and the last three years I've covered this team, they were a non-playoff team, but for once, we looked at the D-backs team this season, it was nice not to be the butt of the joke, it was nice for teams to actually take the D-backs seriously, 
D-backs rolled into town. Whoa, this is a big matchup. D-backs are not an easy team. And for once, the D-backs were playing competitive baseball games from the start of the season until the very end of the season. And there were just so many things that I was grateful for throughout the regular season for the Arizona Diamondbacks. One was the Corbin Carroll experience. This was the most heralded prospect in the D-backs organization. Everyone said he was a slam dunk player, five-tool guy, future all-star, exceeded all expectations for the D-backs this season, runaway rookie of the year, first player in MLB history as a rookie, 25 home runs, 50 stolen bases, going to get some MVP votes as well. Overall, postseason numbers really good the first couple rounds. Still a really good postseason overall for a rookie. Corbin Carroll lived up to the name. The offense, the defense, the swagger, the leadership. Corbin Carroll is the full package on one of the best deals in Major League Baseball. He's locked up with the D-backs. He's not going anywhere. I love the Corbin Carroll experience this year. Got to see a D-back start the All-Star game in Zach Allen. First half Cy Young, probably the Cy Young for most of the season, three-fourths. He's not going to win the Cy Young Award with how he pitched the last like six, seven, eight starts of the year. But got to see a D-back player start the All-Star game in Seattle. Fantastic. Watch Christian Walker dominate defensively at first base. Once again, going to get his second gold glove this year. Had another monster season from a power output at first base. One of the most underrated players in Major League Baseball. We got a great bounce back year from Ketel Marte. He had such a weird 2022 season. It's like, what's up with this guy? This guy is supposed to be in the conversation for best second baseman in baseball. He looked like that once again this year. And then, of course, longest postseason hitting streak of all time. That unfortunately snapped in game five. But want to just tip my hat to Ketel Marte with how he played this season. Watch players like Geraldo Perdomo blossom into all-stars this year i thought this was just another nick ahmed type i think perdomo has a lot more in the tank a lot more juice than nick ahmed does loved how he played this season and what he did in the postseason in the first half of the year we cut dead weight from this roster that really told us how serious this d-backs team was about making a potential run this year when you saw guys like mad bum get cut and told me and it signaled to me the D-backs were serious about maybe getting feisty about the postseason this season. Went in at the trade deadline and got some really good pieces that helped down the stretch and in the postseason. You got Tommy Pham, who was huge this playoff, and you got Paul Seawald, who was nails basically the entire run until the World Series Great job by Mike Hazen at making that by making some killer trade deadline moves. We saw the D-backs lead in the first half of the season. Then we saw them slump mid-season where they looked like one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball for like a month and a half stretch. Then we saw them win some nail-biting games down the stretch to make the postseason. To see this D-backs team also sweep the wild card round was crazy. Then they took down that disgusting Dodgers team, the big bullies, who 
every year crush the D-backs until this season. You go back to 2017, crush the D-backs in the postseason. It feels like it was always a given that David versus Goliath matchup. Not this year for the D-backs versus Dodgers. So so gratifying to see the D-backs sweep the Dodgers in the NLDS. And then we went into Philadelphia where no one said it could be done and took two from Philly in Game 6 and Game 7 to go to the World Series. The most impossible, insane environment to play in Major League Baseball. And the D-backs went in there and were able to get it done. D-backs, in the end... Still had a fantastic season despite what happened in the World Series. I would still give this season an A. Now listen, if you win the World Series, I would have given you that little extra plus, but still an A for what happened this year. This team is quote-unquote ahead of schedule, which is just a baby silver lining to what happened in the World Series. You can't, listen to me, you can't take any opportunities for granted, especially in a year when you get to the World Series. This was a major opportunity, but I do think if the D-backs had any inkling that maybe their ceiling was World Series, that they would have a number four starter on this team. I believe that. Um, I didn't think, I don't think anyone in the building thought this team could go to the World Series. I think that's why there was some weaknesses on the roster, but I think Knowing now how good this team can be, we need to start maximizing this roster and putting the best product on the field so we can get to another World Series because another World Series is never guaranteed. But this team is cheap, they're young, and they're hungry. And with the combination of all that, I believe this D-backs team is going to be a contender for years to come. Let's go improve this offseason and do what the 2015 Royals did and get redemption after a heartbreaking World Series loss. Now, unfortunately, we're going to have to drown in the misery a little bit and talk about what went wrong this World Series. But if you want to do a little betting to take your mind away from what just happened, you need to go to FanDuel Sportsbook because... Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season. I know during the NFL season, I'm using the same game parlay feature. When the Saints are playing, that's my team. I like to take the over on Michael Thomas catches because guess what? I don't care if you guys call him Slant Boy. He gets targets and he makes a lot of those targets turn into catches and receptions. So I love Michael Thomas. And the over-under is always like four and a half, so I'm always smashing that with Michael Thomas. And then sometimes I like to take the under on the Saints team total because I do not trust Derek Carr. And maybe a little sun, uh, a little Saints money line sprinkled in on top of that, so a little three-leg parlay to cash me out, a little something-something on my Sundays. And now that baseball is not around, I'm going to be doing a lot more betting on the NFL season. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Let's talk about let's let's get you know a little sad here, guys, and let's talk about what went what went wrong with the D-backs this series. But before I even get into that, I just want to say real quick because after the D-backs were you know kind of embarrassed in Game Four, um, I don't like I didn't like the discourse that I saw on social media where people were destroying the D-backs because of their bullpen game. I know the bullpen game didn't work out, but. I felt like some of the discourse that I saw online where people were saying, if you don't have a number four starter, you shouldn't be in the World Series. Like, you shouldn't be there. If you have to go to a bullpen game, you don't deserve to be on that stage. And I was just like, I, I was just astounded by the amount of pushback, especially coming from the D-backs community. It was not everyone, but there was a de- decent amount of D-backs community supporters. I was like, I know the D-backs look bad in game four, but with the resilience that they showed you all postseason and everything, it's like, how could you just give up on this team going to Game 5? Obviously, the results buried out where the D-backs lost the World Series, but I was just kind of disappointed in some of the responses I saw uh, from the D-backs community after their Game 4 loss. So uh, I just didn't like that. I didn't like the discourse I saw on social media. It was only a small part of the D-backs community, but I was surprised with how much pushback and disdain I saw for the D-backs after their game four loss I was like the series ain't over yet let's at least let the series play out before we you know really start casting aspersions on this team I I just thought people were getting way too crazy about the D-backs especially considering like I I still was taking every game like you know what we really aren't supposed to be here and yes we're here in this moment right now but I can't lie everything still felt like gravy to me even in the world series so I I was never getting overly upset that the D-backs never had a number four starter at any point because I was like you know what no one on this team no one in that staff thought this team was going to be here so I understood why there were some weaknesses on that D-backs roster and I was going to out you know just um lash out after that D-backs bullpen loss um and also I just believe that this team could have come back in game five six and seven but unfortunately that didn't happen and now we're going to be talking about why the D-backs weren't able to win the World Series. I'm done with my rant on that because in this finale, I first want to say, before we get into the misery, Zach Gallen was incredible. I want to tip my cap to Zach Gallen because we've been waiting for him the last few postseason starts to turn it up. Be the Zach Gallen that you were during your scoreless streak. Be that elite Zach Allen. And I didn't know if it was going to come tonight. I was just hoping for a wild card Zach Allen where he looked very good, but it still wasn't elite Zach Allen. But instead, we did get elite Zach Allen. 6.1 innings pitch, three hits, one earned run, one walk, six strikeouts. And he had a no hitter going for like the first five or six innings of this game. Like I was looking up at the scoreboard. I was like, guys, guys. Uh, look, there's still zeros on the board. I I wasn't trying to jinx it, but I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to say anything, but if you look at the Rangers box score, there's an interesting thing going on right now. That's about the extent of what I was saying, because Zach Gallen was dealing in this one. But unfortunately, it was the D-backs inability to score a run that killed them. And then, of course, Paul Seawald was the final nail in the coffin in the ninth inning. So I just want to break down what actually went wrong for the D-backs this series and why they lost the World Series. Because I truly, after those first two games, you were like, okay, D-backs blew, blew game one, but they came back and stormed 
in a big way in game two, blew out the Texas Rangers at home. So it felt like the D-backs should have been up 2-0 in the series, considering how they played the first two games and the last three games in Arizona at Chase Field. Um, I didn't feel that way. It felt like the Rangers were the better team in this series. And now when you look back at game one, you're like, yeah, maybe the Rangers should have always won this series. But I still feel like the D-backs were in it, you know, throughout and, and – they really kind of, I really feel like the D-backs let this World Series away because the number one biggest problem that I saw with the D-backs this World Series was their inability to score with runners in scoring position. They were 5 for 26 with runners in scoring position the last three games at home. And in that finale, they were 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. And here are some big opportunities that they missed out on. I'm not going to go through all of them, but here are three big ones that they missed out on. You had Carroll on third with one out in the first inning and did nothing. You had second and third, one out in the third inning and did nothing. Bases loaded, granted with two outs, but still bases loaded in the fifth inning. Did nothing. The D-backs left 11 dudes on base in this game. This team just could never get the big hit when they needed it at home. And I think that was maybe the biggest reason. Like, it felt like they had a good read. It felt like they had a good rhythm against Max Scherzer, but they never did any damage against him. Then Evaldi was shaky in this game five finale. He kept walking D-backs, kept putting them in position to potentially get that big knock. And the D-backs repeatedly shot themselves in the foot in this game. So that's number one. Number two, the bullpen finally got got. They it, it all started with Paul Seawald in game one, who was nails all postseason, didn't allow an earned run until game one of the World Series, where he gave up that two-run bomb to Corey Seager. And then that kind of messed up their bullpen plans the rest of the series because you use your go-to relievers up until that point. And all of a sudden, you have to go back into the pen. Tori Lavello definitely wasn't expecting that, and that Definitely hurt the D-backs in that situation. Then the bullpen game, of course, didn't go well either in game four. Castro got shelled. Kyle Nelson got shelled. Uh, not pretty from the bullpen game. Then, of course, Paul Seawald, final nail in the coffin in game five. The Texas Rangers, AL West team, saw him a lot when he was with the Seattle Mariners. So not surprised that's the Rangers that look so good against the Paul Seawald. And then number three was... The youngsters went cold in this series. Gabriel Moreno, I love him. Catcher of the future, not his series. Three for 20, so important. The NLCS, the NLDS, such a big RBI, middle of the order producer for the D-backs throughout this postseason. But in the World Series, he went cold. Corbin Carroll, like we talked about and praised him earlier on the podcast, Rookie of the Year, MVP candidate, five for 22, one extra base hit, one stolen bases series. Alec Thomas, not the best D-back, but a lot of big clutch hits those first couple of rounds. Some of the biggest home runs and knocks. Five for 21, one extra base hit, one stolen base. Carroll was elite the first two rounds. Had two big games in Philadelphia to pull off the comeback in Game 6 and Game 7, but didn't make many big plays in the World Series. Alec Thomas would hit clutch home runs and had fantastic defensive plays throughout the postseason. But I think once you saw that error in the ninth inning of game five, you knew this one was a wrap. 
and then Gabriel Moreno was just ice cold in the innings that mattered the last three games. I can't really complain about Tori Lovello this series because I thought he did a really good job with the bullpen and the lineup. I was pretty impressed with Tori Lovello. I could blame Mike Hazen for not having a better fourth starter, but I think this loss really just came down to the lack of execution by the players. Tori Lovello can't swing a bat for these guys, and they had ample opportunities to score a run. Can't blame Tori Lovello for that. I can blame Tori Lovello for maybe pitching to Corey Seager because I would say he's the fourth reason. Corey Seager was Mr. October this series. They showed the graphic. Him and Reggie Jackson are like neck and neck and stats are basically even and everything, which is just insane to think about. My Mr. October is still El Senor October, David Ortiz, but Corey Seager is right there with the amount of work he put in um, this series. Easy to see with 1,100 OPS, three home runs. Corey Seager was a monster and a scary dude to face, and I'm glad the D-backs don't have to face him another time this season. And then the fifth reason, you could say we had some bad umpires this season. I'm hoping the way that the umpires called balls and strikes this game just adds fuel to the robo-ump fire because I can't wait for the robo-ump. So, yeah, tough night for the D-backs. Tough series for D-backs fans, but I'm still feeling optimistic moving forward with this team, and we'll be talking about positive lessons about this team from the World Series next. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Let's wrap it up by talking about some positive things that we learned about this D-backs team from the World Series. And the first one is this D-backs team has a rotation of dogs. That's right, D-A-W-G-Z, dogs, because Gallon, Kelly, and Fott were dogs in this series. In this series, the World Series, because Gallon game one, not very good. I know Gallon was shaky in that game one, but with the back against the wall for the D-backs facing elimination, we saw the best Zach Allen we've probably seen since he had that complete game shutout against the Chicago Cubs, right? Because Gallon really struggled the final month and a half of the season. He was good the last two starts of the regular season. He was good in the wild card round, but... The last three starts of the postseason against Philadelphia, game one against Texas, Zach Allen, our ace, our number one starter, just wasn't that guy. And then with the D-backs facing elimination, it was a big question mark. Can Zach Allen pitch us to a game six? I said if we get elite Zach Allen, this series is going back to Texas. And we did get elite Zach Allen. Unfortunately, this series is not going back to Texas, but... Love the fact that Zach Allen showed up in a big way with the D-backs facing elimination. Merrill Kelly, of course, the dude who spent time in Korea, the dude who was an unknown in Major League Baseball for a couple of his first years with the D-backs. The last couple years been really good, one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. And what he just did this postseason, I think everyone is going to know who Merrill Kelly is now. And what he did in Game 2, 
against the Texas Rangers. I mean, the D-backs would have won this series or at least got to game six and Merrill Kelly got to pitch another gem. Like, he would have gone down as one of the greatest postseason pitchers that the D-backs have ever had. I mean, in his one start, seven innings, one earned run, nine Ks against this Texas Rangers lineup, he was absolutely elite. This postseason, 24 innings pitched, six earned runs for Merrill Kelly. He's a dog. And then Brandon Fott, someone that we were so worried about as our number three starter. He was the dude. The reason why we thought this D-back team was not going to go far in the postseason was because after Kelly, we were like, this D-back team has no rotation. Brandon Fott is a home run, pro, a home run prone dude. And then we're going bullpen game, game four, and then short rest game five if it comes to it. Or, you know, normal rest, actually, how with how uh, MLB scheduled day offs are scheduled now. But Brandon Fott stepped up to the plate except for his game one star against the Brewers. Outside of that, stepped up to the plate every single time. Great against the Dodgers. Elite against the Phillies. And then did enough against the Rangers to keep us in it. I'm so excited to see what Brandon Fott can do over the course of a full season. Maybe he's not a regular season pitcher. Maybe he's like a dude that's just good enough in the regular season. And then like a Nate Evaldi takes his game to another level in the postseason. I will take a 4-3 year Ray guy all the time in the regular season. If he pitches like a 3-2 guy in the postseason. And that's what Brandon Fott did. A dog, all three of them. I think that's the first positive takeaway that I had from this World Series. The second one, either Gurriel or Pham should be getting a check from the D-backs next season because you could say those were the two best everyday players that the D-backs had in their lineup this World Series because Pham had a 421 average, 1165 OPS. He had eight hits and 19 at-bats, three doubles, a home run. Lords Gurriel, he had six hits and eight. 18 at-bats with five RBIs and only three strikeouts. Like, those two guys didn't come through every time, but they were pretty good for the D-backs, and I would like to bring at least one of those guys back. I do want to get, we'll talk about the offseason and things that the D-backs need on future podcasts this week, but I think the D-backs do need another bat, and I think you do need to bring back at least a Gurriel or a Fam. And I think with the way that they played this postseason and the World Series, one of them definitely needs to come back to the D-backs next season. Ketel Marte, postseason superstar. Three more walks in the finale. He didn't get a hit, but had to hit every game this playoffs. Had to hit every game this World Series until the finale. And even in the finale, still got on base multiple times. Ketel Marte is an absolute stud and a freak of nature, and I'm so glad he's playing second base for the D-backs on, on one of the most team-friendly contracts in Major League Baseball. And then I also learned from the bullpen, I would be very happy to bring back Ryan Thompson, Sal Frank, Joe Mantiply, and next season, maybe we even see more Luis Frias because I think Frias this postseason was actually pretty good and pretty effective and I thought his staff, uh, I thought his stuff was pretty nasty. So Thompson, Salfring, and Mantiply put them all back in the bullpen. They're locks for me. Maybe we see a little bit more Luis Frias. And then the final thing, Kevin Ginkle absolutely nails. If anything ever happens to Paul Sewald, Kevin Ginkle should be the closer of the future for the D-backs. He was insane this whole postseason and in the World Series. He was nasty once again, allowing. Um, no earned runs in the World Series because Kevin Ginkle does not do that. And I think he went this entire postseason 
without allowing an earned run. And if you actually look at his postseason stats, which I'm doing, 11.2 innings pitch, no earned runs, five walks to 15 strikeouts. He was insane this postseason. I love Kevin Ginkle, and I can't wait to see what he can do for the D-backs next season. And I can't wait to see the D-backs next season because the D-back season is now over. This is the final podcast that I'm doing talking about a D-backs game. It was a wild ride covering this team. I'm, I feel like I'm getting a little emotional as I'm doing this right now in real time, but it was a wild ride covering this D-backs team. So many ups and downs. I'm so grateful that this team you know, got us to the final day of the baseball season. I would have never expected it coming into this year. Uh, I still can't believe what what a what a ride we just went on and what we just witnessed from the D-backs, you know, the past few months. So thank you for sticking with me. Thank you for listening to the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. It's off-season time, so right away we'll be talking about which free agents should the D-backs be going after to get us back to the World Series. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. If I hadn't said it already, uh, go catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the series XM map and search up Diamondbacks. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Now says.